Well, from one Canadian legend, Anne Murray, to another, Vaughn Palmer, who joins <laughs> us now from the Vancouver Sun. I know you're a fan, Vaughn. Come on, don't lie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, good old Anne Murray. <laughs> you know what, though? I wish she'd had enough of a sense of humor to, to, to do the song Blame Canada at the Oscars years ago. Oh, wouldn't that have been great? Well, Robin Williams did it, which wasn't exactly uh, lacking in <laughs> entertainment value. But that song, that Anne Murray song, wasn't that the first, like, number one U.S. song like that, that a Canadian artist had ever done? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think yeah. it was. Oh, I'm sure it was. Yeah, no, no. She's, you know, good old, good old Anne-Marie. But anyway. <laughs> yes, um, we digress. Happy Canada most, most Canadians have a pretty good sense of humor. So I, I think, would say uh, so. You know, I thought, I thought that would have been a good occasion to show you had one. But anyway. It would have been, apparently, but not, didn't happen. Uh, but let's talk about this press conference uh, yesterday. There was a lot of, um, I would say, anticipation for this, because for a lot of people, it means that they can go and visit their loved ones now. Yeah, so, you know, uh, for all of us who ask questions on the regular briefings with Dr. Henry and Adrian Dix, the, you hear from people all the time, could you please ask them this? Could you please ask them that? The... Probably the largest number of questions that I've received, suggestions, and certainly the most heartfelt ones have been, when can I visit someone in long-term care? When are they going to allow us to start visiting? Whether it was a spouse or an aged parent, someone in very fragile health, we know that, you know, about 100 of the 170 deaths in BC have been people in long-term care, and those people... They were comforted by staff at the long-term care facility, but they didn't see their relatives. So it was poignant, it was sad, and increasingly, Simi, and I know you've been hearing this as well, Mm -hmm. um, why is it taking so long? So we got, uh, for Canada Day yesterday, the full briefing on the plan to finally allow visits. I think one thing that really jumped out to me and I read the transcript again this morning, was you understand now why it was so complicated and why it took so long. It's still going to take a bit of time. They say it may be a week to 10 days before these protocols are in place. They also said this is going to stay in place for a year, for up to a year. Really? So Dr. Henry said it's, the, it's caused her the most distress and anxiety working through this. Uh, the rules are going to be posted on the BC Center for Disease Control site, I think starting today. So people will be able to go there and look and see what to expect. They will also have to look at their own, the long-term care facility they want to visit because there will be some variations depending on the size of the facility and its own ability to handle visits. Okay. So the basics. Yeah. That doesn't mean that you're going to be going the way you used to be. It's nothing close to like what we used to have. It's nothing like it. So a single designated visitor, for starters. So one person is a designated visitor. They will have to be screened and they will have to be trained. They will be escorted by a staffer at the facility. The facility itself has to set up a separate area for visits. So in some, it will be, it may be outdoors in a patio. In some, it may be a separate room, but one person per visit, staff supervised. You will have to wear a mask and you'll have to be trained in it. Um, Let's see some other stuff that's important. Um, No caregiving. 
There will be protocols eventually for volunteers, for hairdressers, for barbers, but those are still to come. And it will be up to the facility, and this is because of the variations in facilities we have in BC, it'll be up to the facility to say how many visits, like one a week is a, is a good likelihood for, for now, and how long an hour. If that sounds like not much, um, Dr. Henry's pointed it out, some of BC's care facilities have 200 to 300 visitors, uh, sorry, residents. So even one visit per resident per week, that's an awful lot of supervised time. And the thing that they've also said is, remember, these facilities, there's a lot more burdens on the staff anyway because of safety issues and health issues and the fact that the staff are the only contact the residents have. So this is where um, <clears throat> Health Minister Adrian Dix Simi announced the, uh, how much this is going to cost. It's a lot of money. So the government's putting up almost $200 million additional to uh, assist facilities in hiring as many as three staff for cleaning and supervision of visits and for to help cover some of the costs of setting up the separate visiting areas. So this is on top of all the other costs we've had this year, including the cost that's been going on for some time now to increase uh, staffing in long-term care to appropriate levels. So this is an expensive program, I think obviously going to be greatly welcomed, but mm -hmm. you're right, it is going to be very different from what people had in the past. Adrian Dick said it yesterday, you know, the old way was you arrived at the facility and you knew where your relative was and you wandered down to their room and you visited them. Yeah. That is not going to be happening. So is this different than what other provinces are doing, like the rules that BC is putting in place? Um, I think there are some variations in other provinces. Some of them have gone into this already. Um, I, the reason, I think, for the caution here is that with a few exceptions like the poultry plants and, a, and you know, one fast food place and the strip joint, uh, most of the outbreaks here have been in long-term care, and the ones where it's gotten out of control have been really awful. We had, you know, two dozen people die in one facility, 20 in another, I think almost 20 in a third. And there are still five facilities which have outbreaks, so there'd be no visiting there. Um, they are taking it slowly. They have said, look, one, one case gets into one of these facilities, which is what happened to the one in Langley, as you know. Uh, it's very, very hard to control once it gets in there. So all this. A um, couple of other questions that were asked yesterday. Mm -hmm. uh, will people be tested? Will, will visitors be tested? No. Uh, Dr. Henry continues to say that testing can lead to misleading results, to false negatives, can lead to a false sense of security. So you will be screened over uh, who's in your bubble, um, obviously whether you have any symptoms, no visiting if you have symptoms. You must be masked and you must learn how to wear the mask, but um, won't be tested. She doesn't think that is, as she says, she thinks that gives a false sense of security. She doesn't support it. Okay. Well, that's interesting then because the mask thing keeps coming up as oh, yeah. well. Like, I keep getting emails from people. Yeah. Like the mask thing also seems like a pretty big deal. Yeah. So 
this has been, uh, again, another subject that there's been persistent questioning for a long time. And what she was asked yesterday about masking again, because they are being made compulsory in some places. So she says two or three things on that. First of all, you know, the old line about masks, they're there to keep your droplets in. They are not going to keep you from getting it. So false sense of security again. Uh, appropriate in settings where you cannot do the full physical distancing. So if you can't stay two meters apart or six feet, for old people like me, six feet, um, you have to... Uh, you ha- you should wear a mask, mm-hmm. and pretty much you have to wear a mask. So there are settings where you should be wearing a mask. Buses, transit is one thing, and yes, there are concerns about it on transit because people aren't wearing masks. So yeah. uh, she's clear on that. Um, you know, you should be ready to do it, and obviously there are other settings. She said, for example, when she went to her hairdresser, she was masked, so was her hairdresser. She said she's regularly masked when she goes out. The reason she's not making it compulsory is there are people who can't wear masks. They're asthmatic. Um, they're young, very, very mm-hmm. young, like like uh, toddlers. And there are respiratory issues as well. And then finally, there's the false sense of security. So we are not going to compulsory masks, but I would say they're strongly recommended. And I think they will give not just the people wearing them peace of mind, but the people around them as well. Okay, well, lots to come on that one then. Vaughn, thank you. Have a good Canada Day. Yeah, you too, Simi. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.